Well, it's hard to think of someone that NBA players would look up to. There is one guy that NBA players call very blessed, and they look up to. His name is Nick Owens. Nick uh, works for the Denver Nuggets. And if you saw him and you looked at him, at the outset you might say, this guy doesn't look like he's very blessed. The thing is, Nick has had 30 plus surgeries because he has spina bifida. He's in a wheelchair. And since a very young age, he has been confined to his wheelchair. But after every Denver Nuggets home game, Nick is outside of the locker room, smiling, giving high fives to those tall NBA players as he's in his wheelchair. Even seven foot tall Dikembe Mutombo. And these guys call Nick blessed. Today we're going to see another individual that if we really looked at the situation, we really looked at the outset of what she was dealing with, we would be hard-pressed to call this teenage girl blessed. But she says in her song, all generations will call her blessed. So how can we? How can we call Mary, the mother of Jesus, blessed? And how is she a model to us, of someone that waits well and who finds meaning in waiting. Well, let's find out together, shall we? Let's look in the Word of God, Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 56. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. The word of the Lord. 
Well, if you're just joining us, uh, we are in the Advent season, and in the Advent season, we're going to be going through the beginning of the book of Luke. Usually, we spend a more extended time in a book. We're just going to call this a little series in Luke at the beginning. We're going to be going back uh, to a longer series starting in January. We're going to start the book of Acts. That will take us for a few months. It's fitting that we read Luke because the writer of Acts is also Luke. So uh, this will hopefully prepare us a little bit for what we're going to see in the book of Acts. What we've seen in this idea of Advent, the idea of longing or coming, is a, a, a big theme of waiting that we see in the Bible. And we see that in the Bible, many people wait. That's not too dissimilar from our own lives. Maybe some of us here are pregnant, and we're waiting for a baby, and that is causing us to be like, oh, what's going to happen? Maybe for some of us, it's waiting upon a job, or the Abel's waiting upon a move. Some of us waiting for everything to get back to normal, where I can stop wearing these masks and go into work. Maybe it's just the waiting for what this vote's going to turn out to be after the service. We all have moments of waiting. How do we do in the waiting? You know, these candles, they represent how different characters through the Bible, sometimes there's an Abraham and Sarah candle, a prophet's candle, a John the Baptist candle. All people that have waited. How have they done at waiting? Well, Abraham and waiting upon a child laughed at God. King Ahaz, who we learned about when we talked about the prophets, he decided instead of waiting upon the Lord to side with the Assyrians. Zechariah, this priest who was waiting upon having a child himself, when God said, you're going to have a child through an angel, he doubted it. And here today, as traditionally the pink candle, the merry candle, along comes one. Not a patriarch like Abraham. Not a king. Not a priest. Instead, we see a teenage girl that says this. I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. While all the others that we've talked about so far did not wait well, here is a model of one that did. What can we learn from her? And can we, like she said, be part of all the generations that call her blessed. Well, I would be remiss if I did not mention the elephant in the room. Usually in other states, I can kind of get away with it. But in Wisconsin, it's a little bit harder because of our Catholic background here in Wisconsin. And some of us, when we read the Magnificat, Mary's song brings back memories of maybe devotional life to Mary. 
maybe the rosary. And here we are in a non-Catholic church. What is this guy going to say about Mary? Is he going to side with kind of the elevation that the Catholic church has? Or is he going to just say that she's like anyone else? Well, I grew up in a Protestant evangelical tradition. And we made sure to shy far away from the idea that Mary was anything significant. And any of that Catholic idolatry that we would call it or anything like that, that's the things that we would say against anyone that would elevate Mary. So I want to be very understanding and hopefully sympathetic for some of you that might have Catholic backgrounds and have a high view of Mary. But I also want to challenge some of us that come from Protestant and evangelical backgrounds to see that Mary just simply isn't like anyone else. There is some uniqueness. One question that I often ask Protestants, evangelicals like myself, is that can we call Mary Theotokos? That's a big word to say. Is Mary the mother of God? And I, I notice that when someone asks me that question or I ask other people that question that don't come from come to Catholic backgrounds, they go, oh, I don't know if I can call Mary the mother of God. But that's what she is. Even Martin Luther, even John Calvin, even the reformers called Mary the mother of God, Theotokos. And I agree with Yerlisov Pelikan, a major theologian today, Protestant theologian, evangelical, that it's okay for us as Protestants, as evangelicals, to say that Mary is the one who gave birth to the one who is God. And it's okay to say Mary is Theotokos. Great, thank you for the theological explanation, but how does that have any significance in how we are to view her? Should we call her blessed? Does she have any distinct place in Christianity? Does she have a distinctive of one that is carrying Christ? Or is that all there is? Or should we look to Mary also in her character? Well, let's find out together. And before we get to the famous passage, verses 46 through 55, which is classically called, again, the Magnificat, the um, magnifying the Lord, we have to understand how Mary got to the place to sing that song. And before we can get to how incredible it is that she would give this magnifying to the Lord, we have to understand how unique and scandalous the situation she is in is. And when we realize how scandalous it is, we might wonder, how can we call her makarius in the Greek, fortunate, blessed? How can we call what would be a scandalous situation from a teenager a blessing? So, let's not rush to Mary's song. Let's see in verse 29, as Mary said, she was greatly troubled on what was coming to her. 
How does she come to a place of simply not just duty? I think she responds well to the angel at first. I will do such a thing. But she moves from duty to actually praising God for her situation. And we see that in that transition from duty to actually magnifying God, something happens. She goes to see her cousin. As the angel told her, her cousin who was barren now is going to have a child. And when we put these cousins side by side, which I think Luke does very well in this passage, when we put Elizabeth and Mary side by side, we will see really how scandalous this is. So let's see the comparison and contrast between Mary and Elizabeth. One is younger, Mary. The other is older, Elizabeth. One is probably the age of around 14 years old, so many commentators would say. The other is probably in her late 30s or early 40s, why people would call her barren. Again, Elizabeth is in a situation where she is barren. Mary is in a situation where she can have a baby. Elizabeth comes from a very prestigious family, from Aaron's line, where her husband is a priest and probably very esteemed in the culture. Mary is not esteemed. She is not in a high social position. We see that because when Mary and Joseph gave offerings, they gave the lowest offering, pigeons, which is what the poor would give in the temple. That is the kind of situation that they are in. Elizabeth has just had an answer to prayer that she would have a child. Mary is in a situation where she did not pray for such a thing. It was unexpected, without explanation. Elizabeth has an ex um, a miraculous healing. Mary has a miracle of creation. Elizabeth's situation has precedent through the Bible of barren women being able to give birth. But Mary's situation has no precedent. The idea of a virgin giving birth is not something we see in Old Testament tradition. So again, this is how precarious it is. When people would see Elizabeth's situation in Israel, they would rejoice. If they would see Mary's situation, that would be a sign of suspicion. How could this be a blessing? How could this be a good thing? It's a great thing that a barren person became pregnant who was praying for it, but here's a teenager, betrothed. We know what really happened. Do I dare even say? Let's say we had someone in our church, right? Who was older who had been longing for a child for many, many years, had no children, and then was pregnant. What would we do as a church? We would rejoice. Now imagine, okay, again, this is what I dare to say. Morgan, my 14-year-old. Okay, so you have 14-year-olds. I'm not going to name names. Could you imagine if she got pregnant? What would be the response in the church? Morgan, please don't tell me to get pregnant. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Okay. 
But you see how scandalous it is. And the pressure that Mary must have been under, even with the angel saying that, even with duty, she still said, okay, I, I will do this. I, this is good. But I, I just, I, this is hard. And we see that she goes to Elizabeth. And this is where the change happens. Now, Elizabeth, the older, should be the one that is leading, right? Mary should show deference to Elizabeth. But we see there is this amazing reversal. That Elizabeth, spurred on by the Holy Spirit, sees there is something significant with Mary and the responsibility that Mary has and also the child that Mary is bearing. And this statement that she says, blessed are you among women. And why is this granted to me? This is amazing. Elizabeth, this esteemed person, why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Even at the beginning of the Gospels, we see a high Christology. We see God in Jesus. We see the Trinity. Because we see Elizabeth saying, that baby that is in you is my Lord. Elizabeth is able to see the blessing and Mary is then able to hear it. Last week, you know, we talked a lot about Elizabeth and the blessing that she had. And the answer to prayer that was answered. And some of us might have gone, oh, that's great. That prayers were answered. Elizabeth got what she wanted. And some of you might have left last week still being like, well, that's not true for me. I hope the story of Mary might show you something different. This is not what Mary wanted. But even though it wasn't what she wanted, she still praised God. I do wonder. I wonder if we worry about our situations, what hand has been dealt to us. And are we really praising God for what has come our way? Imagine the waiting period for Mary. I'm, I, I, I've gone through this four times. Four times of nesting, right? Of the anxiety before a child. Imagine it for her. This poor teenage girl what is Joseph going to think? What is this kid going to be like? How is it going to turn out? How am I going to go through this awesome responsibility that God has given me? What will happen to my son? How is she going to wait well? Again, she goes to Elizabeth. And in waiting, she gets counsel from someone else. Someone to tell her the truth in her anxiousness. I would hope 
that we would be open to someone telling us the truth in our anxiousness. That when we communicate to people the hand that we have been dealt, maybe a child that is, has some disability that's very hard to raise, maybe a strong-willed child, Maybe a marriage that might not feel like it's coming together ever. Maybe a job that you feel like is never going to turn around and pay out the way that you want it to. And that you would go to someone and someone might be able to see clearly God's promises. And be able to communicate to his covenant love for you. And that they might say to you, your value doesn't come from what's been handed to you, what you've been given. Your value comes from the Lord God himself, who cares for you and is with you, and has given you what he's given you because he loves you, and I can even call you blessed. Do we dare say that? Now, Christian, to a friend that is struggling? Now, hear me, there's tact. There's not saying, oh, this is God's will, isn't that amazing, you know, just deal with it. No, that's not good tact. But sometimes if you really have trust with a friend, and you love them, and you're around them, and they are coming to you with the pain of what they're experiencing, that you might be able to say to them, you know what? I don't know if I could handle it, but for some reason, God has given this to you. And I believe he's doing it because you are blessed. That this child that might be disabled, that it might be refining you or your, this child's sibling to make them into an amazing person. That this spouse that's hard to love is refining you, that you might be able to love someone else such in a great way to have patience because what you're enduring constantly at home. That with a boss or a workplace, you feel like everything is not going your way. That you have no money. That you would be in a humble estate. That you would realize how other people are feeling that are poor. You would begin to see the Lord's hand. Instead of simply a cursing or simply resignation. Instead, you would praise the Lord. And that's what Mary does. This is an heiress tense. So now she is opening herself up to ongoing action. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Her spirit is beginning to delight in the Lord and what he has given her. He's be she's beginning to rejoice in who God is. And that this waiting is for a purpose. I find that aorist, that God working that in me over time, that happens in the pool for me. I need to look down at the bottom of the lane line for 30 minutes. And I need 
to scream out to God, which I do in the pool, because no one can hear me, what I'm experiencing in my day or my week or my year. And in that prayer, in conversation with God, God is molding me to a place that when I come out of the pool, I might magnify his name. Do you have that kind of relationship with God? Maybe it's a walk in the woods. That you're having conversations with him. Maybe it's journaling. Maybe it's at night before you go to bed. That you are turning over to the Lord. You're waiting your anxiety, your place where you are, that you would come to the place where he comes near to you and draws into you and you would magnify his name. The reason that we should call Mary blessed is because she demonstrates and shows to us that God entered the world as a savior, not through the strong, not through the able, not through the mighty, not through the privileged, but ones that are humble and are able to trust in his leading. See, the blessing upon Mary that all of us would call her blessed it's because we see that God enters through the humble and the needy. That God comes to everyone, no matter their state, he works in that kind of situation. And that God would use such a woman to show his greatness. That it was nothing of herself. That is an amazing God. And I will correct my Catholic brothers and sisters. Some of them are my brothers and sisters. Some of them are not. Just in the same way, some of my Protestant friends are my brothers and sisters, and some of them are not. Only God knows who belongs to him. But I can correct some of my Catholic brothers and sisters in saying this. In this passage of the Magnificat, we see that Mary needs a Savior too. That she too needs that child that is growing in her womb to save her. She is not perfect. But, to my Protestant friends, what makes Mary unique is this. She is truly the first follower of the incarnate Christ. And for that reason, she is blessed. You know, Dikembe Mutombo, the Hall of Fame center for the Denver Nuggets, seven foot tall, the man that blocked everyone, He dealt with a lot of anxiety. 
And he and Nick Owens were really good friends. In fact, Nick Owens, when he was small, could walk underneath Dikembe Mutombo's legs. That's how small Nick Owens was because of his spina bifida. And people ask Dikembe Mutombo, why do you like this guy so much? Why do you love being around him? And Mutombo said, because he helps me deal with my anxiety. He helps me realize that this is just a game. He shows me what really matters. He is one that I can call blessed because in his humility, I realize that even in my seven-foot tallness, I am humbled in my anxiety, in my fears. But if he can have blessing and joy in his situation. What a symbol for me in my situations. That I too can in that humbled state. See, Nick Owens pointed to something greater. That all of us are in a humble state that need the Savior. Why is Mary so blessed? Because her being chosen by God to fulfill the role she was in points us to how God enters our world by edifying the humble and the weak and those that listen to his voice when they humble themselves to him. Mary is the mother of the God-man. The mother of the one who took our sin. She is to be blessed. And we, like all generations, shall call her blessed. Because she points to the greater one.